morning, everyone. Good air, Shabbos. The Torah not only tells us what happened in the past, but it outlines uh, the future as well. In this week's Parsha, uh, <clears throat> so Moshe and Aaron uh, perform the Makos and represent themselves to Paro as the leaders of the Jewish people. About Moshe, we know something. The Torah tells us about his birth, how he was saved from the river, how he grows up in the royal palace, his empathy with his fellow brothers, how he is arrested, almost executed, and he flees. And then the Torah doesn't tell us anything more. So for the next 60 years, we don't know anything about Moshe. There are Midrashim, there are legends. He's a king in Ethiopia. He's a ruler of a country in Africa. The Torah makes no mention of that doesn't even allude to it. The Torah reintroduces Moshe as a shepherd, which uh, was not necessarily the highest rung in ancient society. And there he has the revelation. Um, as as has been pointed out often, Moshe does not want the position. He rejects it. He says, send somebody else. So the Mephoshim say to somebody else that he wants to send is his brother Aaron. And because he said it, so to speak, the Shina picks up on what Moshe said. So what Moshe said, I cannot speak, I stammer. So the response was, Aaron will be the spokesman. And the one thing the Torah tells us about Aaron is that Aaron will not be jealous of Moshe. The Ruach, he will see you, the Somach, and he'll be happy. He will never have any complaints that the younger brother overcame the older brother. which, as you see in the Chumash, is a pattern. 
Yitzchok to overcome Yishmuel, Yaakov to overcome Esav, Yosef to overcome the brothers, so Moshe to overcome Aaron. But by Aaron it says, Rachov is Somach Belibo. He'll see you and he, in his heart he'll be happy, not just cordial on the outside. He'll be happy. The Gemara says, famous uh, Medrash, Ilu Yoda Aaron, if Aaron would have known, Shakosov Machtivolov, that the Posik says about him, Varachov Samach Belibo, that he'll be happy with you, he would have brought the Supreme of Mcholos, he would have brought him, he would have hired a band to greet, to greet Moshe. Because he's only greeting him in his heart, it's a subdued the greeting. If he would have known that how the Torah was machshiv, that how the Torah felt that that was an important thing, he would have done it with a greater amount of public fanfare. But in any event, here comes Aaron, whom we know nothing about. Later on, we're able to figure out he's three years older than Moshe. Apparently, he's closer to his sister than he is to Moshe, as we'll also see later in the Chumash. But who is he? What is he? So, the Torah hides all of that from us. Torah doesn't tell us what happened here. But the Gemara and the Jewish tradition fleshes out our own for us. The whole uh, period of time uh, that Moshe was gone, the 60 years, Aaron was in Mitzrayim. He was in Egypt. And in Egypt, he was the spiritual leader of the Jewish people. He comforted them. He told them that there's hope. And uh, Aaron is a gentle person. Skan Aaron Ayored al his characteristics are those of tranquility, harmony, peace. And the optimism. That's who our own is. We do not find those qualities with Moshe Rabbeinu, with his brother. In fact, uh, Chazal comment that when Aaron passed away, Ayyufko also called all of the Jewish people wept. When Moshe passed away, not everybody wept. Moshe rules with a strong hand. 
see that when he puts down the rebellion of Korach. He says in Brio Yivra, let God create a miracle to destroy them. Moshe is the leader in war. Sichon and Og, after Paro, Moshe sends Yoshua to make war with Hamolek. Moshe is a very strong person, very strong figure. We don't see a soft side to him. His love for the Jewish people is unbounded. He prays for them. But uh, the Torah does not portray him as Mr. Nice Guy. Aaron, on the other hand, as it says in Pirkei Ovos, is Oev Sholom, Verodev Sholom, Oev Esabrios, the Makor Torah. He brings them close to Torah. Aaron's way is different. Not with a strong hand. Aaron, I wouldn't say is flexible, that would be unfair. But Aaron is a sympathetic figure. You can tell your troubles to Aaron. Aaron will help you. In fact, Aaron is, uh, in the case of the eagle, when they create the golden calf, he is too sympathetic. He figures uh, he'll be nice to them, and Moshe will come down, and the whole thing will get solved. So he helps them make the eagle. But the uh, clear difference between the brothers is apparent. Moshe is much stronger a leader and harder a person than Aaron is. We see that Aaron sympathizes with Zipporah, Moshe's wife. The story of Aaron and Miriam when they spoke against Moshe. He said, how does, how can he treat her that way? So here we have set as the Torah, only the Torah can, sets up two different positions of leadership through two different personalities, both of whom have the same father and mother, both of whom love each other, both of whom wish each other success, but they're not the same. Their roles are not the same. Torah we read that the first three Makos were engendered by Aaron. Aaron struck the Nile 
turned it to blood. Aaron hit the the frog, raised the frogs. He was the one that brought the lice. The other seven markers are from Moshe. So the accepted reason for that, that the Mephorshim say, Rashi quotes it for us, is because of the fact that Moshe owed a debt of gratitude to the waters of the Nile and to the dust of the Egyptian earth. The waters of the Nile saved him when he was an infant. And when he killed the Egyptian, the dust of Egypt, of the Egyptian earth, helped cover what he had done. So he, so to speak, owed a favor to the waters of the Nile and to the uh, dust of the earth of Egypt. So he could not strike it with his staff. An idea, an exalted idea of uh, if a person uh, was done a favor, how careful one must be to make sure that one does not pay back that favor with... uh, negative behavior. So the, the Torah uses inanimate objects, the, the waters of the Nile, they have a personality, or, or the, the frog, or the lice. I mentioned, you know, that we had the Melech David, Zokim Bayomim, Vayichasu, Bebgorim, Vadoyechamlo. David Melech was cold, and they covered him with blankets and covers and clothing, and it didn't help. So the Gemara says because he himself was cruel to clothing, he cut the clothing of Shaul Melech. Didn't respect clothing. He didn't respect clothing. What does that mean? Clothing again—it's an inanimate object. It has no personality. It's not a live thing. But just the, these are examples of how far the idea of Hakora Satov goes. What the extent of gratitude goes to, even to inanimate objects. They, they should be treated fairly, gently especially if they, at one time or another, proved useful to you. So that's the accepted shot as to why Aaron performed the first three makos, but he could not, he did not perform the other seven. They were performed by Moshe. There's another stream. The Torah is infinite. And that is that Aaron's personality would not let him do any more makas. Aaron is too 
gentle a person to bring about the other seven makos. Because the other seven makos increase in intensity. They take a greater toll on the Egyptians, one of them even on the Jews. Makos Hoshech. Aaron can't do, that's not Aaron. Aaron's not the plague master. It's not his personality. So therefore, the first three makos, which are more magical uh, than uh, really uh, punitive, So that he performed. But then he said, so to speak, I quit. I can't do anymore. And Moshe has to step in and do them now. And the same thing when Moshe is kvad peh and kvad loshon, at the beginning, Aaron is talking to Paro. But when Paro becomes uh, more aggressive, Paro uh, says, uh, Hashem, who's God that I should listen to him? And Paro says, Nirpim Atem, Nirpim, you're all lazy. So Aaron sees that speaking to Paro is, so to speak, a lost cause. So he withdraws. Moshe speaks from now on. Moshe speaks harshly. Moshe says hard things to Paro. So it takes a certain a human characteristic to be able to address an emperor in such a way. So we see that there is this difference between the brothers. Aaron becomes the coin goddam. One of the great things that Judaism stands for is the division of power. That no single person or no single office should control everything. That's tyrannical. So we find at the time when there was absolute monarchy, Shoal, David, Shlomo. They were all restrained by Nevi'im. The prophets, who were external people, who could tell the king whatever they wanted to tell him. The Novi will tell David, Atohu Oish, you're the one and you're the murderer. Shmuel will tell Shaul, you didn't listen. 
According to the Gemara, Shlomo will be driven off of his throne. So the institution of the Kohen Godol was the institution to sympathize with the Jewish people, not to rule over the Jewish people. To be the defense attorney and not the prosecutor. There are different attitudes in Jewish life as well. There are people who get up, uh, great people, uh, knowledgeable people, scholars, and they chastise the Jewish people, and there's room to be chastised for certain. And there are leaders who uh, are much more inclusive and tolerant and overlook things. I mean, in our time, we see that clearly, uh, that, that that division. What do you do with all of secular Jewry? What do you do with reform, conservative? So there are those that say they're not Jewish. Throw them out. Can't do anything with them. But there are those that say, no, you know, we're going to try and uh, include them and bring them closer. It's too different. It's always been two different uh, approaches to the matter. We see it in the Talmud already. Hillel and Shammai. Shammai says, everybody there. Somebody comes and asks him a stupid question. He says, you know, throw him out. They don't have time for that. Hillel says, uh, bring him in. So that has remained with us. And the two positions were the Kohen Gadol and the head of the Jewish people. Those are two impositions. Moshe Aaron. And that's why we find that the rabbis objected so strongly to the Hashmanoim, who after all were the heroes of the Jewish people, who fought against the Hellenists and against the Greeks, who were uh, absolutely committed to the the rededication and sanctification of the temple. And yet the Hashemnoim get very short shrift in the Talmud. The Gemara said at the end they ended up not being what they should have been generations later. And they were eliminated from the Jewish people. There's not one descendant amongst the Jewish people today that can complain that can claim ancestry from the Chashmanoim. The Ramban himself raises that question, how could it be? Because we always measure ourselves by the future. 
in the future, someone that's somehow attached to me, a student, a friend, a biological descendant, somebody that has an attachment to me, will yet do a good thing, so I'm still there. Nobody's here. So the Ramban points out the sin of the Chashmonaim was that they were both the Kohen Gadol and the Melech at the same time. They co-opted both positions. The two positions don't go together. If you're the Melech and you make war and you pass laws, and the laws pass uh, 61 to 59, that's one type of position. The Kohen Gadol is supposed to represent all the Jewish people. And Yom Kippur, Lechaper, he represents everybody. He's called Nidre, Onumatirim, Lispalalim, Avaryonim. Everybody, the Kohen Gadol is going to do it for all of us. His heart is big enough to encompass everyone. That's one of the reasons that the Meforshim advance as to why a person who was a murderer accidentally, manslaughter we would say today, he's chopping wood and the and the uh, splinter of the tree uh, or the head of the axe uh, ricochets and kills someone. So he has to go into exile. What is the term of time that he has to spend in exile? The Torah doesn't say. Could be a year, it could be 50 years. He may never live to get out of his exile. The term of exile is until the death of the Kohen Gadol. Because the Kohen Gadol is the one that can mollify the judgment for the murderer as well. As long as the Kohen Gadol is here, exile is enough. He's not in danger. The Kohen Gadol dies, he goes out free, but he goes out in danger. There are people out there that want to get him. So he's attached to the Kohen Gadol. And those are roles that exist in the Jewish world. I always thought that uh, to a certain extent that was a difference between the Hasidic and the Lithuanian schools in the 19th century. Is that the Lithuanian school was Melech, Man Malche Rabbonum, who are the kings, the rabbis, the scholars, the yeshivas, learning. The Hasidic rebbes were the Kohen Gadol. 
Hasidic rabbis, if you had a problem, you, you came to them. Now, not all of them were the same. The Kotzker famously uh, decried his position as a rebbe. He said, I want to sell them heaven, and they want that I should give them a blessing that their cow should give more milk. But the job of the Rebbe was to somehow make the chassid feel that the cow would give more milk. That he had solace. Yet someone... Those are all where all the great legends come from. Because it represents an attitude. In our time, all of this has become much more blurred. There's an overlap and there's a diminution in each of the uh, schools of thought. The world has become harder. One of the ironies of democracy is that to a certain extent the world is less democratic with democracies than it was with autocracies. So there was a difference between Moshe and Aaron. And the Rabboni Shalom sends them both. He tells Moshe and Aaron by Tzavim and he commanded them to take the Jewish people out of exile. It's the combination of the two. It's the difference that unites. And the Torah wanted to give us the most startling example, so they took two brothers. Barach of Brothers that would not be jealous of each other, that would recognize the separate roles, that would love each other, because they realize that together they have a mission, and that only by the cooperation of the two can the mission be fulfilled. Will they somehow achieve the goal that's set before them? The Hotzi has been a Yisrael merits Mitzrayim. You know, there's an old saying, you know, you can take the Jew out of the exile, but you can't take the exile out of the Jew. The Hotzi has been a Yisrael merits Mitzrayim. Their job was not only to take them out physically, you won't see Egypt again. Get rid of it. Take it out of you. That was the common mission. And to a great extent, it remains the mission today. And all of that is reflected in the simple narrative of the Torah, which has such depth and analysis and breadth to it, and is so relevant to us as well. So please have a good Shabbat, everyone. And stay dry and healthy. We'll hear good news from each other. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.
Bob Shalom Welk. <laughs>